Hello, my name is Sanli Faez and you are listening to the news chat on the road to open science. This podcast is an initiative of the Utrecht Young Academy with the support of the open science community Utrecht. We are starting the news chat on the road to open science for April 2019 and with me here are Bianca Kramer and Jeroen Zonderfan. They're going to just go over the hot news of open science. Who want to shoot first? Jeroen. Uh, in the last news chat, there was a um, uh, mentioning about the pilot, uh, You Share, We Take Care. Um, and just recently, um, a week ago, um, all uh, rectors from all Dutch universities um, have committed themselves to the pilot. Uh, stated that they will uh, support the pilot, uh, but but also supporting it in opening uh, their articles themselves uh, of what they have published in the last uh, six months and even a longer period uh, of that. So I guess that's a good news and uh, a great backup uh, of the of the pilot, and hopefully uh, it leads to um, trust uh, to the to the to the research community. As far as I know, none of them have been taken to court yet by any publisher, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> We'll yeah, see. Uh, yeah, another thing is last on the last news chat we had Anita from the Open Science Community Utrecht uh, telling a little bit more about that. Since then we had one uh, Open Science Cafe uh, from the Open Science Community, which was really nice. There were not maybe not that many people, but the discussion we had was really useful because normally we talk a lot about open access and open data. And uh, here we talked about career uh, incentives, career advantages of open science. And we discussed specifically sharing code and software. And Daniel Berski was uh, was a speaker, and he shared his experiences with uh, with sharing his code and all the benefits it gave him, both with new collaborators and publications where his code was cited. And I thought it was a really nice nice meeting with with good discussion, also about the the fears people might have and how that worked for different people. And do you know when is the next uh, Open Science Community meeting? Yeah, the next one is on May the second. And in that meeting, Frank Minema will uh, tell a little bit more about the Open Science program at Utrecht and also discuss with uh, participants their views and their priorities. So if you have an opinion on that, that's a really good opportunity to uh, to discuss this with the, the head of the Open Science program. Okay, so on 2nd of May, don't miss the Open Science Café. Uh, yeah, what I found really interesting is uh, it was published uh, uh, yesterday and it's all about get more transparency in APC costing and BPC costing for the books. But in this case, it's a- APC costing. So we have this open APC project. But also uh, publishers are releasing their data about uh, the breakdown of their, their costing uh, more and more. Uh, so three days ago, uh, Frontiers released their breakdown of their APC uh, costing. I need to dig in, into that more deeply, um, but it's really interesting to uh, to at least have this data uh, available. eLife has released it, at, uh, cou- I think two years ago. Ubiquity Press is also an example that releases their uh, breakdown of their of their costing. So um, hopefully more will come, and so that leads to uh, more discussion on 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 uh, how an APC, w- what the level of an a- APC w- could be. Bianca. But another interesting piece of news came from another podcast, actually, or a meeting they had at the, the VU Library in Amsterdam, where Frank Minema was speaking, Stangile was also there, and they talked about open science policy and practices. 
the recording is online, so we'll share a link about that. And a very interesting tidbit of information from that meeting was we know that um, MBO is planning to sign DORA. We're all very interested in when they will sign it, and Stan Gielet there said that they will sign it before May. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, so my favorite quote from that podcast is that uh, Frank uh, says to Stan Gielet that we trust you, we don't trust your committees. <laughs> yeah. It's an important point. I mean, joke aside, uh, it also points that it's a very good first step if MBO signs DORA, but the important part comes into the implementation of it. And then it's more not just about words, but really to how the committees will actually deal with that and implement that. So I think there's a lot of truth in that, uh, that statement. And I think that was also the point of uh, Divergent, because Frank said we have one year to implement this, and Stan says maybe we have 20 years, we need 20 years because it's culture change, so still the pace of change is uh, a bit unclear. Uh, what else uh, do you have, Bianca? Uh, maybe some announcements of two another upcoming uh, meetings or things that are being organized. The first one is in May, and I'm actually going to hand that back to you, Sunny, because you, are, you instigated that and you're a big motivator and organizer on that. And that's the workshop on uh, University Cooperative. Oh. Yeah, so this is a workshop uh, which was actually an afterthought coming from the podcast we made last year, the last one with Marlene Sticker, uh, in which she said if the university have forgotten about commons, they should just go and teach themselves. And uh, we have actually partnered with WAG, the, uh, the society, to organize this workshop, and we have invited speakers from inside the university who have done research. One of them is Tina de Moore, who is a world-known expert on history of commons and how commons are organized. And another one is uh, Lars Tummers, who is a professor of public management, and he's going to tell us about how change can happen without having resistance in the organization, smoothly accepted. But we also thought from the beginning that we are going to do this in a very practical way. So apart from the theory section in the morning, we are going to have a practical part in the afternoon in a real workshop manner in which people are given true cases. And by the end of the workshop, they should come with a solution of if this case was treated as a common property, how we at the university could manage it. And the idea is to get these examples and see the parallels with other examples we have in different sections of the university. And hopefully, if there are anywhere places that people just don't dare to start managing their resources commonly like uh, the people at the commons do, they just start doing it. The whole workshop will be also documented and the podcast will be made out of it so that uh, it can be reproduced when needed. And the workshop is planned for 14th of May. Registration open. Okay, what other news we have here, Jeroen? A month ago, uh, the national uh, platform for information on open access, openaccess.nl, we uh, redesigned. So I'm, I'm an editor of, of, the, of the website, I should say. Uh, so we did some uh, um, uh, redesigns for the website to make it more clear, uh, more information about the publishing deals, the current publishing deals, for instance, but also uh, we separated um, the monitoring part uh, and it's a separate section now, so it's more clear uh, what the results of uh, the publishing deals uh, are. We also uh, are going to add, so now uh, the, 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 the majority of the publishing deals are hybrid journals um, or, or based on hybrid uh, journals. Um, and in the near future, we will also add full OA uh, publishers. Um, maybe they don't have an, an, like a national deal, 
but a lot of researchers are publishing in Frontiers, for instance, or PUJ or uh, uh, BMC. So we like to monitor uh, that output as well. So that will be added to the website soon, um, at least for the, the, the larger uh, full OA uh, publishers. And another thing that's, um, that's released just this week, contracts, uh, the agreements of uh, Elsevier, Springer and Taylor and Francis were already disclosed last year in the fall 2018. Um, and now all uh, OA agreements have been uh, disclosed on the website um, just two days ago. So I guess that's a good thing also to compare, uh, to compare what, what, what's going on uh, in terms of uh, open access deals. Um, and the data will also be submitted to the ASEC um, project, which is, um, and I need to look up the, the abbreviation, it's Efficiency and Standards for Article Charges. It's an initiative in Germany, uh, based in Germany, um, to collect data about these contracts. So not only from Germany, but also from, for instance, the Netherlands and other countries. So you can uh, submit all the, the, the specific details of the contracts uh, to this website. Um, also to compare what's going on and to have this sort of marketplace to see what, what's going on and maybe help negotiators, for instance, to um, build upon their strategies, for instance, towards publishers. So that's, uh, I guess, um, a good initiative. Um, and serve the phase new and uh, openaccess.nl, the website, are collaborating in this uh, to, um, to be as open as possible. Uh, is there anything for the individual researcher on this website? For example, if I want to submit an article and I have targeted for this specific journal with certain reputation, mm -hmm. is it possible for me to go and search what are the open access parallels of that journal in this topic on this special keywords and find another journal to submit there as an individual researcher. Can I do that? Uh, yes, um, two ways. The static, the, the more static way is to look it up in a, in a large gross list of journals um, or go into uh, the, the, the publisher's detail, uh, uh, details of the agreement or go to the publisher's website, of course. Um, and it is getting better. So the information on the publisher side is getting better. For some publishers, I won't call any names, but um, that, for instance, the workflow was a bit, uh, no, it, it, it could have been better, but it's improving. So we're constantly also um, uh, in the talks and in the discussion with publishers to get this information on the publisher's website uh, better. So we direct from the national platform towards these publishers' platforms. Uh, and another uh, tool uh, is the journal browser, um, so and it's accessible through the, the national platform. Some institutions like Wageningen and uh, VU, um, and we are also looking into this, Utrecht University, uh, have their institutional journal browsers. So you can enter your uh, search query, uh, the, the, the journal name, um, uh, and you get all kinds of extra information. So is it currently in a deal uh, or if not, what are the possibilities to store your post-print or pre-print or uh, your version of record, for instance? Uh, that data is coming from Shepard Romeo. So the journal browser is collecting all kinds of data from different sources in one place to help the researchers to make uh, a good decision on, on, on where to publish and uh, what they can do with their publication. But it's not going to the level that if I search and say, you know, journal you know, review of this, and it appears to be closed access. It suggests to me that, by the way, there are these 
totally similar journals that are open access with same keywords and people in your field feel they are the same reputation so don't worry for the anonymous committee review is there such a service uh, the journal browser isn't offering that service yet this is something that's really interesting to look at if if that's possible to sort of um, okay this one maybe isn't the, uh, the journal where, uh, with, with the best compliancy for instance or funder requirements whatever so what are the alternatives um, that's a very good one um, and we have a, we have a short list of some of now, yeah, the improvements, uh, for, for instance, for the journal browser, this is absolutely one of them. Um, internationally, is there such a marketplace of... Not... Uh, uh, I, I, I think there is one initiative by Anna Sherman, and I have to look up what the name is, that, that does something like that, that based on certain characteristics mm -hmm. and also on topics suggests a number of journals. The interesting part there is that you can, uh, there are some things that are really objective, but especially like you, you just said, uh, journals that have the same reputation, the question there comes in, how do you judge that? And do you rely on um, the impact factor? I think we all agree that that's not what we want, uh, but then what do you do? And you ask other people, do they have more or less reputation? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, what's next on our jamboree of short news? Maybe another announcement uh, that concerns the, op the Utrecht uh, Open Science Summer School or the Summer School on Open Science and Scholarship because we want to be inclusive and not just include the hard sciences but also social science and humanities. Uh, this is a summer school that we've been doing uh, for the last two years in the context of the Utrecht Summer School. So mostly aimed at people outside of Utrecht who come to Utrecht in the summer to do um, one or more courses. Uh, this year we want to do it a little bit differently and aim this course more at people from Utrecht itself. And we are still we have a date set, so this is really a save the date announcement for the last week of August, August 26 to August 30. And it's going to be five days again, where in five days we go through the whole research cycle and discuss all kinds of things that you can do open. Uh, discuss the how, but also the why, and also discuss with participants um, what they think is beneficial and what they see as the, as the problems and how to solve them. So basically there are two invitations. Uh, people who are interested in participating, keep an eye out for the official announcement, but also people who think they would like to contribute as a lecturer or uh, present something that they're working on. We'd like to get in touch and see if we can make this not only by us for Utrecht, but really by Utrecht researchers for other researchers. Another short piece of news. Yeah, just um, we were talking about uh, things that are being organized. Um, maybe also a short report on something that just happened two weeks ago. There was the Open Science Conference in Berlin, which is an international conference that uh, deals a lot also with policy developments. And I attended that. It was nice and interesting. But perhaps the nicest thing was that the day before that conference, the people also organized what they call a bar camp. And that's a different format, a different kind of conference. It's also sometimes called an unconference. And it really brought 100 people together who are all interested, not only talking about open science, but really doing something. And there's no preset program. So at the beginning of the day, people present what they want to discuss. And then sessions are planned. And then the rest of the day, people are responsible for actually organizing their own conference. And it's always so nice to see the energy coming out of that. People who really want to have a specific thing they want to discuss, get input on a project, uh, want to try out something hands-on. 
there's just so much going on. It really illustrates that, yes, we talk a lot about open science, we talk a lot about policy developments, but there's also a lot of things happening on the ground, and there's a lot of energy in that. And that, for me, is also the reason why I like this field so much, because it, it gives me a lot of energy, and it was really nice to be part of that. Again. Where, we c where can we learn more about the outcome of this uh, unconference? Yeah. Uh, that's in, in the spirit of the unconference, um, there's not... There's not an official proceeding, but there was a collaborative note-taking on Etherpad. So there, there's one link where you can find all the information, all the sessions that were held. That's basically note-taking that took place in the session. And it also gives you a view of the, the breadth and the width of the topics that were discussed. And is there a project started there that you know that uh, we should keep an eye on? Um, well, one thing I did there myself, because of course I only attended like two or three sessions. But I did something myself on open citations, which is a development to make not only publications open, but also make the citations open. We're probably all aware of, uh, of Scopus or Web of Science, which are closed databases where you can see which paper cites cited your publication. If that citation data is openly available, you can do a lot more with them. And there's recently been sort of a call for publishers to make that data open, which a lot of publishers have heeded. So currently now about 50% of citations are already open. There's still some publishers who refuse to do that. And again, I won't name any names, but... <laughs> um, however, uh, there's an initiative to now see what of that information is openly available, since it can be argued this is just factual information. Just the relationship between two papers is a fact. It's not copyrightable. So... Um, there's now an initiative to gather that information and make it openly available. And we had a session on that. And um, well, there's some work on that to maybe also uh, people can contribute to that. So we talked a little bit about how to make that easier. Nice. So link to this nice on conference and the outputs of it uh, on Twitter. Just please pay attention. Jeroen, you want to say it? Uh, maybe just one one uh, brief mention is um, um, is the in the so the University of California. Uh, it's a structure, it's, it's multiple universities and campuses and medical centers together, so it's a, it's a huge um, co consortium. But they decided to uh, not go into an agreement with uh, Elsevier, I think, three, four weeks ago. Um, and it was huge, huge news, because it's, uh, no, yeah, it's a large consortium, um, huge amounts of uh, um, uh, students, researchers. Um, so that has had some impact or maybe it has had impact, not some, but it's really had impact. Uh, also because uh, this, this community, this consortium, uh, it's responsible for over 10% of the research output in, in, the, f in, the, in the US. So it's, uh, nah, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign so that something is happening. So this breaking um, uh, proposition huh? in Sweden, we had this, and in Germany, of course, they're looking into this, and already some institutions. So it, and now the University of California. So um, yeah, this this um, is a trend, I guess. And I think it's also significant uh, this coming from the U.S., who historically have been focusing more on uh, making publications openly available to repositories, rather than uh, put a lot of pressure on publishers. Um, for that, and now that's also shifting. You see, you see that now they're also looking at uh, at open access to the, to the publishers, and really want to make steps in that. And the moment the agreement was closed, they released a platform or at least a web page uh, for their researchers to um, give them uh, information about where to look for uh, uh, their papers. 
um, in different ways. So, and we have, of course, a lot of ways uh, of, of, of getting papers legally. There are many ways. So, um, but this this is really, a, an, I think, a, an interesting strategy as uh, as a consortium. Okay, you break with an agreement, but then you offer immediate support to your researchers with new information and, and uh, other ways of uh, uh, getting your research. Oh, that's nice. We should also post a link uh, to that yeah. specific page. Uh. Maybe another short news item is um, something of progress report on uh, Plan S. Of course, during the last new cha- news chat, then the consultation period had just ended. So now all the publicly all the uh, consultation feedback that was submitted to the coalition is now being processed. And we're all waiting for the coalition to come out with their new implementation guidelines. Meanwhile, uh, of course, talk continues. And also, specifically, society publishers are exploring ways to uh, make the transition to to open access. Historically, that has been difficult for society publishers, or at least they find it difficult. Uh, But now, also due to the pressure from Plan S, they're really making steps at exploring how that could be done. Um, And some organizations are helping with that. And one thing that uh, that happened was the Welcome Trust. They funded the project uh, to help societies with that transition by commissioning consultancy uh, firm to look at all the different options that are available. And recently, an uh, interim report was published by that consultancy firm that outlines some of the possible uh, strategies that uh, societies could consider. And that really covers the whole spectrum from coming up with um, new journals or transitioning their existing journals to open access or facilitating the green route. And also really looking at business models. How can you do that and still be financially sustainable? And that could be done through APCs. um, But uh, one of the things that are also in that report is the idea of um, having that subsidized by other institutions or uh, society members or other organizations to finance that transition. And they're currently opening this up for for feedback and they will also do some some trials. So I think it's really encouraging that also society publishers are exploring their options uh, towards the transition. Okay, so what is the big topic of discussion for today? What do you want to discuss? Maybe what's nice to discuss is the the recently released report from an European expert group. And I was part of that expert group. So me being here, I might as well talk about that. Of course, we would like to know. Please. Uh, The European Commission, uh, of course, is also putting a lot of emphasis on open science. And one thing they did was that uh, they have a few priorities, um, including open access, but also open data and rewards and incentives, citizen science, a number of them. And they commission expert group to discuss and to come up with, uh, with a report that might inform policy of the commission. So these are not official commission reports, but it's really informing, um, informing the commission. So I was part of one of those expert groups that looked at the future of scholarly publishing and scholarly communication. It's a long word, a long term, but to me it really highlights that we're also moving away from traditional publishing and more to scholarly communication in a broader sense, at large. So this expert group was interesting because uh, there were a number of people in an individual capacity and also a number of people representing organizations. So Elsevier was present, Springer was present, the Welcome uh, Welcome Foundation, the the Gates Foundation, they were all present in this expert group, together with people more from universities and libraries, like myself. 
So that made it, of course, a very interesting process to come up with uh, agreement or to see where agreement lies and where we really could not find agreement. Mm -hmm. um, it took about one and a half years. But in the end, I think there's a report with some interesting recommendations that I think the fact that also the publishers who were present in this group could get behind that, I think that's really significant. That and the fact that we are really looking at scholarly communication in a wider sense beyond just journal publishing. So what we did in this report, uh, we looked at um, sort of an ideal situation and what principles, uh, we, we sort of devised 10 principles that uh, are important in defining, okay, what would be your ideal system for scholarly communication? And yes, open access is one of them, but also uh, an emphasis on reusability, so clear licenses, open infrastructure uh, to, enable, uh, to enable innovation, but also things like equity and diversity to make sure that you include a wide range of people in for all, all actor groups to, to really make scholarly communication more, more universal. So from that, we looked at the current situation and we devised recommendations for a lot of different act uh, actor groups. And I think that's also key because this is not something just that publishers need to do. And this is not something that just researchers are now all of a sudden asked to do. It's really something about for all the players in this, in this system. So we made recommendations for, for all these groups to work towards uh, such an ideal system. And I think this, uh, this combination, so when you look at all these recommendations, it's really something for, for everyone and it really highlights that we need everyone and we need everyone to play a part and everyone to take responsibility. Just a question for clarification. So this group of individuals, uh, experts mm -hmm. and publishers or institutions or funders, so they're all behind the, these, these principles and recommendations or is there... Um, a difference in, in what, what um, uh, the background of the reasoning be, be, be behind it for the individuals, for instance, compared to the institutions or funders? Uh, in the end, um, with the exception of one recommendation, I'll get to that in a second, uh, the recommendations are really carried by all the people in the group, so all the organizations represented. And I think that that's really, uh, that's quite important because one of the things that is said in the recommendations is again, uh, going back to something that you mentioned before, the transparency in, in the price and in the costs of publishing, that that should be made transparent. And we are, we're seeing now that uh, both well, publishers are moving in that direction, um, institutions are moving in that direction with the, the, the contracts with publishers, and I think this is, this is going to be really important. So it's also really important to have, to have this as a recommendation and to have this as a unanimous recommendation. Uh, the one thing that... Um, that there is a, there was a difference, there remained a difference in the end, is about uh, the importance of moving towards full open access and the speed at which that needs to happen. And there, both Elsevier and Springer took exception to the way it was phrased. That's perhaps not surprising. Uh, I was actually more pleased with that uh, that was the only point of contention in the end. And all the other recommendations, also the importance of open infrastructure, that was really carried unanimously. And, and um, so the report uh, was published, I think, two months ago, was it? So did Plan S, um, was, it, was it used in the report as well? Uh, sideways. I mean, we were tasked by looking uh, further ahead, so maybe 10, 15 years ahead, and really take a, take a broader view. 
And of course, when we looked at, there's also a chapter in on the history of uh, specifically publishing and the role of openness and open access therein. Of course, there we discussed Plan S. Plan S sort of happened while we had our conversations. Um, so it was it was one factor, but this report is really looking looking further. Uh, because, because Plan S stresses the importance of um, uh, we need to we need to f uh, act quick, right, and fast. So and this this sort of um, well, yeah, it, it, it it relates to what you uh, what you were just saying that some publishers, I guess, w uh, need more time or they they ask for more time. Yeah. So yeah, this is a, a friction, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Actually, some active uh, person in Brussels once told me that if you want to peek into the EU laws of, you know, 2025, you should look at the advice sent to the Commission in 2020. So I think if you look there, we will see the rules coming to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, that might be very. Uh, I hope. I hope so. Uh, and one other thing that the report uh, emphasizes is the, the big role that uh, specifically funders have in instigating some of these changes. And the main reason for that, uh, that is that funders are perhaps the most independent in the sense that they are not judged in the current system so much by ranking. That influences so much of what researchers uh, feel that they are in the situation that they're in. Um, that also institutions, uh, they feel themselves being ranked. And that, that, that sort of impedes a lot of progress. And funders are relatively free of that. And they also, because they distribute the money, they also have part of this power. So it it's really called funders to, to use that. At the same time, it is something that funders cannot do by themselves. And I think in more in general, also when we're discussing, again, going back to Plan S, discussing this, yes, this is a funder initiative, but it can only succeed if it's also carried and also embraced by other actors in this space. So I think this is one of the nice topics for the young researchers because generally they say you are going to change the rules of the game while we are playing. And this was the case for, for example, the embeddings currency for Levidi. But given that this information is available now, uh, these changes are happening. We can predict them. They are happening maybe not next year, but in five years. I would say that excuse will be taken out, although I think it's a bit unfair to ask all the young researchers to go and read all the policy documents of the European Commission. Is there any plan to communicate the influence of these new recommendations uh, or the new scenarios that come uh, on the future life of researchers which gonna, you know, become uh, more active senior researchers in the next five years? How are we going to communicate these with them and the influence of their on their life. Mm, well, the first thing I'm thinking is that that might be mostly a task for the for the OSPP. If you talk about European level, what is OSPP? The Open Science Policy Platform. Um, that's sort of the the hub within the at the at the European Commission for everything open science. A lot of initiatives are coming out of that. They're by the way really emphasizing uh, for uh, currently how to transfer all these principles and all these 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 nice words into practices and really look at uh, practical examples to emulate and to learn from if you th if if you talk about policy they published i think that was half a year ago they published their standpoint that's i think a pretty readable uh, relatively short and readable document that really outlines uh, their principles and their intentions so that would be one thing it's still a policy policy paper um, so I don't have an easy answer to, to your question. I think your question is very valid. Yeah, very good, yeah. 
because there's so much, um, that's all something I learned um, over the time, that there's so much like paper produced, even if it's online, so many words. And I think it would be very useful to, to distill them. So one of the things I could imagine is looking, for instance, here at Utrecht University, look at the individual recommendations, discuss them with the researchers and see to what extent people agree with them or don't agree with them and uh, what it would take to put them into practice. And that's something we could perhaps do in, in the context of the Open Science Program to really take this forward. With that, thank you very much, Jeroen, and thank you very much, Bianca. This is the end of the news chat of April 2019. Okay, uh, and for warm up, any jokes? <laughs> This is, this is already this is already a joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, no jokes uh, to warm up.